cash for clothes at Plato's Closet. We pay cash on the spot for gently used name brand clothing, shoes, and accessories for guys and girls in their teens and 20s. We buy all day, every day. You can always count on Plato's Closet. If you have trendy styles in great condition from hot brands, we want to pay you cash for them. Clean out your closet and head straight to Plato's Closet. Plato's Closet, located in West Ashley on Sam Rittenberg Boulevard and in North Charleston on Rivers Avenue. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. It was basically a cube with inside of sphere where the points of the cube uh, were touching outside of the sphere. That UFO podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio quality sound, chat and footnotes all running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. Hi everyone and welcome back to That UFO Podcast. We've got another breakdown for you. Uh, This week, a few of you had reached out when you saw I had tweeted to say I was going to be going to see The Eternals and I'm going to share my thoughts on that on this podcast with Dan, who is joining me now. Hi Dan. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's it's going all right. I've got my thoughts on the Eternals, and it's not just uh, we're turning into a movie review pod. However, I think there's some themes within this that are definitely worth talking about. Sure. I've not shared my thoughts with you yet about the film. You asked yesterday, and I said I was going to wait until we'd done this today. Um, it's It's got some interesting themes, but regarding as a film eh, i'm not sure but we'll come to that i want to kick off though um oh just before we kick off i'm I'm still setting up the show by talking about (laughs) everything else first um we are going to talk about the senate amendment as well which is something again loads of you have reached out to us asking our thoughts on it are we going to talk about it yes we are um just gave it a couple of days to to kind of let it breathe a little bit uh, but not too much more seems to have come out so we'll talk about it today but first, and probably the most important, Dan, for, for this time of year, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the raffle that you've put up online. That's right. So when we recently went to London, uh, I took with me a bunch of the Truth, uh, Lou Elizondo, Obama-esque posters that, that I made, uh, I, I guess, a few years back now. Um, but I got Lou to sign one that we could use to fundraise some money for charity. And uh, people can see the picture of the poster on the page. Um, the charities we are supporting are both chosen by Lou. Uh, he, he told me to pick one of two suggestions and I couldn't choose. I think they were both equally important. So we'll be splitting all the proceeds 50-50 between these two charities. It's the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Um, their mission is to advance cures um, and to invest in prevention for, for pediatric catastrophic diseases Um and basically, no child is tr- denied treatment based on race, religion, or the family's ability to pay. They do really, really beautiful work. Um, 
they have quite a high profile, I think. You know, I've heard of them through the years, um, helping a lot of people. So it's great to be able to support those. And then the other one was the Humane Society International. Uh, they work around the globe to promote human-animal bond, rescue, and protect dogs and cats, improve farm animal welfare, protect wildlife, protect or promote animal-free testing and research, and to respond to natural disasters and confront cruelty to animals uh, the world over. So both are very important sides of the same coin, I think. So like I say, we'll be splitting the proceeds 50-50 between them. Since launching less than 48 hours ago, we are sat very nicely on £710. So thank you to everyone who's donated so far. Um, so the that's, that's to... not far off a thousand dollars for anyone in the US. That's right. That big yeah, listenership. Yeah, yeah. So just just about that. <laughs> um, so the way it works is uh, I, I don't know if people stateside know what a raffle is, but the idea is is you buy a ticket. It's a numbered ticket. You can buy as many as you want. They all get entered into a, a you know a prize pool. Someone randomly pulls a raffle ticket, and that person wins. So you could buy a whole book of tickets and still lose. <laughs> um, and That's a also, great way to sell it, Dan. You could uh, buy as rather, many as you want yeah, and yeah. not win. Or rather, I should say, you can buy one and still win the prize. Yes, that's, right, that's the way, yeah. That way. <laughs> but the prize, uh, so it's a signed poster uh, from of, of the Truth Art, signed by Luella Zondo. Um, I'm pairing that with one of the the NFTs. It's kind of like an animated version of the same art. Um, it's the same picture, but it glitches to the video of Lou on Fox saying that there's very compelling evidence that we may not be alone. So they match together. Um, and probably by the time this goes out, um, I'll have updated the page. The person who donates the biggest amount will get a personal phone call from Lou Elizondo saying thank you for their donation, which I thought was fantastic. Lou, Lou's given a lot of his time to this. Um, Dan, let me clear that up as well, on, just so sure. it's said by someone else, not just you. It doesn't mean if you win the raffle, you get the call from Lou. It's if you make the biggest single donation. So again, you could buy 99% of the tickets that would give you the biggest donation, but someone else could still win the raffle and get the poster but that would mean you would get the call. Uh, so that's that's just making that clear. That's so the, correct, the yeah. call from Lou is just for the biggest donation. Uh, and again, at the end of the day, folks, the, the main thing is here, it's raising money for, for two charities, both very worthwhile. The, it means you get a chance to win a poster, but also for those who can spare a little bit more, and we get that's not everyone, you've got the opportunity separately to, to win a call from from Lou or receive a call from Lou. You're not going to win. It's a thank you call for, for your pledge as well, which is something that um, money more or less cannot buy. Or on this occasion, it can actually buy. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, but also, listen, let me throw in as well. I, I never said to Dan, but um, if we will do another prize for the raffle as well, I'll give uh, that UFO podcast hoodie and some stickers as well to someone. So we'll do another draw as part of it, Dan, so you can pull out another ticket that they can win another prize as well. So nice. awesome. a chance Thank to you, win the poster that's signed from Lou, um, the phone call, and also we'll throw in for someone separately. So if you don't win the poster, you might win a hoodie and stickers bundle as well. And listen, we're happy to get you on one of the, the YouTube lives or, or something to say hello and, and thank you for making donations and stuff as yeah, well, absolutely. folks. Absolutely. It's really cool to see the community do something positive. You know, I, I, a lot of people think of UFO Twitter as a place that some people go to bicker and it's nice to use it for a positive thing. 
There's been a lot of that recently, and I think that was a it was good timing. Dan had planned on doing this anyway, but like I say, it, it was a nice idea with the charities, and there's a lot of people arguing and moaning and calling each other out over stuff, and you'll probably notice we tend to stay out of most of it as much as we can online. Um, but this is just a kind of nice thing to do at this time of year as well. So a few opportunities to win various prizes, but also give to some charities, which will be very well received and very well appreciated, I'm sure, as well. And look out for later on, should be this month, Dan, we'll hop on one of the YouTube lives. Um, we've only done a couple of them. We'll make it a bit of a fun one as well. We'll try and get something something good organised for it. It's not going to be a telethon, nothing like that, but we'll hop on for 45 minutes or an hour. And we'll we'll answer some questions, but as part of that, we'll make sure you can uh, potentially buy some raffle tickets and stuff as well. So uh, make make sure that's maybe the end of the month or early December. Yeah, sounds good. Sure. That'd be good. We'll we'll have some mulled wine, get married, and take some questions. Um, I should probably share the link, right? Um, it is if you just type into your browser go dot rallyup. That's r a double l y u p dot com forward slash truth. And that will take you straight to the page or have a look at my Twitter profile at the signal. And it is pinned at the top there. So you can go straight there. And if you're not on social media and you're listening or watching this, then the links will be in the description as well for that. We'll make a note, Dan, just to put those in definitely straight away after that as well. But listen, thank you very much. If you can and choose to donate to the raffle. Let's move on to some UFO UAP news as well, because Dan, there has been a, a Senate amendment put forward or a, a request for such. This is something people have looked at online and it's, it's pretty big news and it's one that could fly under the radar. But again, it's one of those ones I look at it and go, am I completely sure what that means? And I tend to ask you and we're at the point now we realise that a lot of other people are in the same kind of boat as well. So uh, Senator Kirsten Gillibrand has submitted an important amendment for inclusion in the 2022 National Defence Authorisation Act, and essentially is a suggestion or a request that requires the government to strengthen its position on investigating UFOs. Now, tell us how this has come about, Dan. Yeah, so this this is the side of uh, Reuben Gallagher, Oh, sorry. Did I say that right? Galejo? I, I might have messed that up. Um, I apologize if I messed up the name. But I think, I think it's Galejo. Gal- 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 oh, I've done it as well. No, Galejo. <laughs> We've both done it. We'll Ruben G. Forward. Ruben. Homeboy. Yeah. What we'll go the with The dog. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, this is the National Defense Authorization Act. It was HR 4350. It is being voted on at the moment. But as, it get, as these bills get voted on, people will propose better language things will have been missed so they'll basically come in from the side and say hey you know what i like what's there but i would like to go further and specify a bunch more things to to really shore up this effort so what we're seeing is essentially that process start to happen people start to you know pull back and forth on the language Uh, but in this case it's it's a very positive development um, because the language is much more extensive and much more thorough than the previous efforts. So it goes into basically the the biological effects and things like that. But the two main takeaways are that they want to set up the Anomaly Surveillance and Resolution Office. This is very similar to what Chris Mellon proposed on Joe Rogan a while back. Uh, that was the, the Office of uh, an, uh, Anomaly Resolution, I think it was. Um, so this name kind of sounds like that language. So I wouldn't be surprised if he he's maybe had a hand in, in briefing some people here. Um, and ASRO sounds good. Yeah. OSAP, ATIP, UAP Task Force, ASRO. 
Azrael. And then there's yeah. another thing as well that's basically set up because that, that would be a government organization that would be funded for four years from 2022 to 2026, basically. Um, but something that we always hear people say is, can people in this office be held to account? Is there a public relationship here? And a couple of things specified in this uh, amendment was that each report would have an unclassified section. So similar to what we saw with the preliminary UAP report, um, but unfortunately, there's no specifics on what they need to include in that, which would be nice. But again, we're, we're splitting hairs over a huge advancement from where we were a few years back. Um, there is an advisory committee that is proposed here, which is very, very interesting. It's the Aerial and Transmedium Phenomena Advisory Committee. Uh, places like the SCU, the Scientific Coalition. Um, oh, I forget the acronym. What, what's, the, what's the word? <laughs> what, the SCU? SCU? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Scientific Coalition. Oh, the, you want to know what the U stands for? Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine oh. unidentified, right? Probably for the study of unidentified phenomena. But yeah, yeah, yeah. They're included. People from uh, Galileo, Project Galileo are included. There's 25 members in all, and they actually specify in the bill what um, would qualify people for membership to this committee. And when you look through it, people that we're familiar with, like Chris Mallon, like Luis Elizondo, these people would absolutely be qualified to sit on on this advisory committee. And this advisory committee includes, like I said, some some public organizations. So what we're actually getting is, you know, there are people suggested in here from the National Academy of Medicine, uh, people from the Federal Aviation Administration, um, the from NASA. So it's really a kind of bringing together of the best of the best and the most informed of the informed so far to really try and crack this. There's even two people from the Optical Technology Center at Montana State University specified. Um, and since we know that Project Galileo and the SEU are looking at this anyway, you've got to wonder if you, you know the Optical Technology Center at Montana State University is already being utilized to look at you know the these things and study them. Like most um bills that kind of come through and most language usually and tom rogan pointed this out in an article as well usually the things we see specified are very suggestive of what they know already because they don't tend to ask for things that they you know don't think exist basically um towards the end of the language uh they actually specify what they mean uh by the term uap uh, which i thought was great um, it has to fit all of these, all of these uh, points. So it has to be an airborne object that's not immediately identifiable. It has to be a transmedium object or devices, and it has to be C submerged objects or devices that are not immediately identifiable and that display behavior or performance characteristics suggesting that they may be related to subjects described in subparagraph A. But basically, that's going back towards transmedium. So there's a lot of really startling language here. They're clearly not talking about drones now, you know. However, let me be devil's advocate because I have to do it here. For sure. They could still be looking at this, and I'm sure some of it is, as pretty advanced Russian or Chinese technology. That Again, that that is that unidentifiable that, yeah, maybe they do have yeah. stuff that can go under the water and into the air. And, and I as know, I always say, it's it's not. I, I see people arguing about this drone stuff all the time. Like, is it or isn't it? And I don't think it's as black and white as that. 
the the weird drone data is going to be in the data piles that our UAP data is in. It's anomalous readings. And, you know, if China are doing their job, if they're experiencing UAP too, they're going to be copying what they look like to present to the US as UAP so they don't think it's China, right? But yeah, that wouldn't work unless UAP existed in the first place to copy. Plus, they, the ev- everything new that those guys are putting out, all the adversaries, will show up as an anomaly in the system until it's probably properly tagged. So we need to be going through this data, whether it's drones or UAP, you, you've got a horse in the race. Absolutely. And Dan, let me just ask you as well, we've got the two bills already going through the Senate. As you have so eloquently put it, they are both trains on two separate tracks, but those tracks are heading towards the same station. And at some point they're going to meet. And at that point, they will merge, become one train slash one bill. They're not actually trains. And the the language will, will be kind of ironed out. How does yeah. this amendment affect those? So this amendment will be voted on in the in the coming weeks, I imagine sooner rather than later. If it's adopted, this language replaces the language in the NDAA um, and becomes the language that the, oh, there are so many acronyms, the Intelligence uh, yeah. Authorization yeah. Act is on the other train track. So yep. it will compete against that. And when I say compete, I mean that loosely because this is very clearly a bipartisan issue. No one's really argued about it so far. So I, I think it's going to be fairly smooth. And the IAA, which was kind of the, when we had one bill going through last year, that was this. Um, those guys were kind of ahead of the pack anyway. So I think maybe they were kind of being a little bit timid in what they were asking for. And when those true trains come to meet, they're going to be amazed at the other train and go, cool, your train's better. Let's go with this one, you know? One gentleman who has been in the headlines recently with his press conference uh, was Robert Salas, and he wasn't happy with the language, Dan, was he, that was used within the bill? No, he wasn't, um, mostly because when, when you read through what he's written, um, he argues that it's not specific enough to hold people to account for what's gone on over the last, you know, 60, 70 years, what, what him and his uh, service or him and his colleagues and service, the other service members went through uh, when they reported the, these happenings. Um, so I can understand that he, he wants a bit more recompense there. Um, his main worry seems to be about no hearings being included, uh, but it was pointed out that though he, those hearings can still be requested, even though they're not specified in the language. So I don't think we should be worried about that. They can still come. Dan, for you, and we, we might have touched on this in the past, but what exactly do hearings accomplish here? Like for for what we all want, ultimately we want to know what's happening, what's going on, where these things might be from, why they're here, you know, how as a civilization we could learn from them, move on, all those kind of incredible, amazing questions. What do hearings accomplish at this stage with so many people clambering for them? Is it a little bit of looking for their pound of flesh along with everything else that could come? Yeah, I think so. Um, Hearings of, at least in my experience, they seem to be suggested as a way of sifting through the historical baggage of this subject i you know i we we might see clearing uh, sorry hearings off the back of um the ig investigation the inspector general investigating the dod's handling of the uap issue um but what robert robert salas is speaking about is definitely this historic kind of cover-up um and what they put the you know service members through you know making them leave early making them look crazy their lives were turned upside down it, you, you know th- this is all 
real and the Air Force uh, sure are very, very quiet on it. That That's something that was specified in this bill, actually. They talk about holding departments that are stonewalling, researched, and to get to that data that they need, um, holding those departments accountable. So organizations like the Air Force will absolutely be accountable and they're, they're silent so far. You know, it, it's a deafening silence. Everybody's noticed it. Um, something else mentioned was coordination with allies, which excites me, you know, as a, as a UK dweller, uh, Boris Johnson's been asleep at the wheel here. He might not be the guy. I imagine, you, you know, there's a Baroness Goldie um, and other people that kind of look after these areas in the UK. It's a little different to how it works in America. Um, but I'm, I'm hoping because that's in there, this coordination is actually going on behind the scenes between certain people. Um, and hopefully in the next few months, we'll, we'll see that conversation open up. I still think that conversation, and this isn't from a place of knowledge, just opinion, from a UK point of view, when it happens, is the UK just assuming this is just US, Russia, China, playing their games with each other, trying out secret technologies, and we have no interest in it whatsoever. I still don't think the UK wants to entertain, at the right level, because I'm sure there is interest, entertain the conversation around UFOs. I mean, it's quite possible. But uh, something I learned the other day that I didn't know is that the US pretty much learned their spycraft from us. So, you know, thinking back historically on this issue, before kind of computers came about, the UK would have been incredible at keeping this secret. And I can't imagine that they spread over the globe at one point. Uh, didn't didn't make them privy to a few experiences or stories or, you know, data that, that suggests these things are real. Absolutely. Uh, Dan, just before we move on to the Eternals uh, talk, where we're going to have a little look at some of the themes that are very interesting, especially if you've got an interest in this subject. Um, this week coming up, we've got Listener Colin, part one and two. That'll be out. And we will also have a show uh, next week on KGRA, KGRA. Digital, digital broadcasting which comes out a few weeks later on the main platform as well and we're going to be talking through some of your suggestions from the reddit post i made but also some of you've got in touch on twitter with it as well and it's your opinion on some of the lesser understood aspects of this phenomenon with some really good posts on there so look forward to to those and just one more request from myself and this is obviously from dan as well firstly thank you to everyone who has gone on and left a review because we got a whole raft of them through on apple uh, and some really nice comments as well so thank you very much for that the comments are always appreciated but if you're listening to this and you're you want to support the show because you like what we do then go on and just leave us a five-star review because it makes a big difference on any platform you're on for visibility for credibility for getting the word out there on apple it makes a big difference to the charts and everything as well and make sure if you're on something like spotify which spotify has just overtaken apple as the world's biggest um platform for That's podcast it. listening as well That's which, I seen, cool. which is, i mean it's it kind of more with spotify right i think i might be wrong there but yeah <laughs> what cool. podcasting uh i'm i'm talking out my bum let's uh oh, yeah you are because yeah podcasts were an apple thing weren't they it was, the, yeah but yeah but spotify have, have managed to take over but again if you're on spotify you can't leave a review but make sure you do follow and you've got the auto download stuff hit so you're you've got the stuff straight in your your folder to listen to as it's released as well but yeah any of those reviews are greatly greatly appreciated thank you very much dan so I know you went to see the Eternals. 
uh, you tweeted the picture to me. Or tweeted, you never. We don't tweet each other. Uh, you sent me the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you sent me the picture to show me you were in the, the theater to watch it, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go see it soon. So I I took my little boy Charlie yesterday, who's a massive fan of the Marvel movies, a huge Spider Man fan, and um, he I imagine he had a five, hard time sitting still. He, he sat through this whole thing like what really impressive. Yeah, really impressively. He said he really enjoyed it. Now. Let me just very quickly. I think people want to probably some people want to hear us talk about the movie a little bit as a movie, which we don't normally do, but we're movie fans, both of us. Um, and then we'll talk about some of the themes within it, which I think might have more interest to those who are purely here for the UFO and UAP chat because of some very interesting ideas. Dan, and to any listeners who asked me, I don't think it's a bad movie, I think it's the poorest or worst of the Marvel movies if you don't count the first Hulk movie, which doesn't count and shouldn't count that was made before iron man um it reminds me of do you know what i think it's worse than the sony attempts at marvel movies um i think it's style over substance it looks really nice but oh it's a little bit like jeremy corbell made a marvel movie in the sense there's a lot of exposition shots and there is a lot of sprawling shots of the desert or backgrounds or landscapes that look really pretty but that's not what you're there to watch in a Marvel film. Um, So I think it was a swing and a miss as hiring directors go. I think the casting was pretty mixed. Angelina Jolie wasn't great. She could have been taken out of that and they could have gave that to an unknown. I thought the girl who played Cersei's, uh, Cersei's, is that right? Yeah. At Cersei. Yeah, Cersei. Much to the confusion um, of many people to watch Game of Thrones. because Yes, that, that's why I was thinking that. that doesn't sound right. I thought Cersei was excellent. I liked her. Um, I'm going to be really um, hypocritical here and say listening to the Scottish guy takes me right out of a movie, especially when he's surrounded by Americans in a film. Um, that accent just took me right out of it. And uh, I thought uh, Kingo was really well cast, good character. I just thought there was far too much going on. It was a little bit like they wanted to make an Avengers movie before they had done any of the groundwork beforehand. And it yeah, shows sure. because the director really struggled, more so than the first Justice League movie, which crammed a lot in. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with that. I just don't think it's as damning as, as you think. Um, I, knew, I knew you'd be more positive. I knew you'd be just, more positive I mean, about it. it. It was very jumbled. It was very wordy. You know, it was long. There, there was a lot of stuff that I loved in it. Um, it felt like the start of a new chapter to me in the Marvel Universe. It felt like, okay, this is kind of a new story. It, it felt familiar in some ways, but like you say, there, there was kind of some different things going on that you don't really expect when you go to see a Marvel movie, you know? Um, yeah, but, but I don't want to spoil I, it. I, yeah, this is non-spoiler for people as well. We'll, we'll make that note. We won't spoil <laughs> stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but, but for me, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. You, you know, uh, going forward, I'm excited to see what they do. I have my fan theories. Uh, I know you haven't seen Shang-Chi yet, but you know, they, they might have. be something there. I, I went, to, I went have... to the cinema to, I went to the cinema to see it and my little oh, boy was obsessed well, with it. So he keeps asking me to, yeah, you know, the thing why you've mentioned that Dan and we won't mention on here is because <laughs> I've asked you to get a copy of it for me. <laughs> cough, cough. And, uh, because my little boy wants to see that. So, um, yeah, I, mm-hmm. So as a movie, I would encourage people, if you are a Marvel fan, go and see it. Um, If you don't want to go and see it, absolutely wait for it to come out or watch it at home. Um, But go with low expectations and you'll probably be come out of it much happier. 
Um, yeah. I mean, I, I went to see it after it had been bombed by critics on, you know, Rotten Tomatoes. So my expectations were very like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, and I went in and just found a lot more to like than the critics did, evidently. However, oh, oh, one more thing on the film itself of those two end credit scenes, Dan. Devastated with the casting of the person who appears uh, in the first end credit scene. Oh, okay. <laughs> awful, awful, awful choice to include that person in I mean, any type of movie. I get what you mean with the person, but he fits that character perfectly. For, mm. for a very particular reason, but I'll have to tell you off podcast, otherwise it'll spoil well, it. I'm, I'm not happy with the one direction they've chosen to go in with that one. <laughs> so, um, But yeah, listen, on some of the themes that were discussed, uh, um, we're, we're here to discuss as part of it, it was really interesting because there's so much that we have talked about, not just in over the decades in, in ufology or when it comes to UFOs or aliens, but just in the last couple of weeks and months. Um the themes running throughout it, you know, there are different forces. You've got celestial beings bringing light and balance to like a universe. There are darker forces at play as well, uh, known as deviants within the film, who are kind of like the bad guys. And then there are another group who seem to be somewhat in the middle, who are there to fight them uh, and do someone else's bidding. And that's something we've heard talked about by by many people and it's 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 not a new idea by any means but the idea that the universe is, has been created and there are people or beings or entities who are in charge of the universe in various ways some of them good some of them not so good some of them look out for us and some of them don't and that's that's quite a recent theme that's been brought up in, in ufology isn't it yeah i mean we say recent the the work of Jack Kirby, the guy who made these comics, and they were very much made in response to the Justice League. Um, he based his work on the work of Eric von Daniken, who, if you look into him, he's all ancient aliens, and you know our DNA was tampered tampered with, kind kind of similar to Zachariah Sitchin stuff. Um, I think that's right. He, he did the Night Planet stuff. Um, where the idea was that a race called the Anunnaki came to Earth, uses slaves to kind of mine uh, minerals out of the planet. I think it was monatomic gold. It's been a while since I read that one. Um, but supposedly, some of the Anunnaki decided that they didn't want to, to subjugate us anymore and thought we could be more, and so stepped in between and caused this big war, and the planet was reset, and then we kind of developed from what was, what was left over. So that's what I was going to ask you next is, again, you know that you're a comic geek. You, you, I've listened I to your, your previous <laughs> podcast that you, ha you had with Mike or have with Mike. Um, and I, I like some of the background and that sort of stuff. And that's interesting to know. Um, there are a few other things for me that stood out. Now, you see at one point there's a craft which is buried in Iraq. And, you know, we hear about archaeological finds and what may or may not be hiding under under yeah. the ice, under the deserts, under the ground and mountains. So that was a really interesting idea. Um, the big triangle, Dan, it had windows. It did, but only from inside, right? Yes. Now, I was going to make that. That's what I was going to say, is from the outside, I couldn't immediately see any windows. There's lots of inscription and writing, but you, they were they were inside looking out. And it very much seemed to be like for an aesthetic thing for them that they just wanted to have a little look at the universe as they as they flew along. And yeah, do you yeah. think that's a fair point? Because we we had a few people come back at us on this on YouTube and in, in a very healthy, debatable way, who were questioning, well, why would they need windows? Of course, it's ridiculous. Any interstellar craft or alien craft would have a need for windows. But then, why yeah, not? Mac OS users, right? 
yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lol um but yeah why, why wouldn't another species or beings or entities who who can travel in the vastness of space not want to kind of look about what's around would, would that not interest them or yeah and i don't, I, know. And I I don't mean, see why not the windows the way we think of windows is just kind of a, a weak point in a structure with glass right you know if a, if a house is hit by a tornado the windows are going to blow out first and then the bricks go afterwards right but if we had sufficiently advanced technology to just make, you know, if we could, what's a good example? So this is a strange example, maybe. But when I when I visited Amsterdam, there was a toilet outside a museum that was completely clear. You, you could see straight through it. But when people went in and they locked the door, as soon as current ran through the glass, it changed to like a frosty white and you couldn't see through it anymore. Um, and it, <laughs> yeah, it's scary, right? Um, yeah, on, on the I would, chance I would trust that. Yeah, that's a kind of that's a certain kind of person that still chances that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it could just be something like that. You know, the very structure of the craft—you apply a current to it, and voila, you can see out. Um, we we don't need to think of them as windows in our kind of anthropomorphic way. Um, you, you know, uh, an octopus probably thinks of its kind of hole in its burrow as a as a as a window but it's a hole to us <laughs> you know this, it's a tricky thing with language now there was a story that ran through and i suppose it was for a marvel fan people wanted to know well these all-powerful beings why didn't they interfere during the snap uh and that's explained quite quite quickly and i think it's explained within the trailer as well so it's not a spoiler yeah that they, they were told and instructed to not interfere with anything uh to do with human history and throughout the film you see various times in, in our human history where there have been wars or technological advances made and the Eternals, the group, are are there for those. And you kinda hear in the background that there's there's one of them, is it Fastos, who has the idea to give us steam long steam before steam engine, yeah. That's yeah, right. steam engine long before we're ready for it. And they make the argument and I thought that was really fascinating given what we talk about that, yeah, let's give them this. It's really going to help them. And it's they all say, no, it's too early. Yeah, but yeah. it's going to let them do this, this, and this, and it's where well, they've only had the wheel a couple of hundred years, and it's like again, at what point is a, a civilization ready to move on technologically? And it's those breaking points of is it the end of a civilization, or do they kick on from that point? The last big one we've had was probably that atomic nuclear energy age. That I suppose you could argue: have we moved on fully from it, or are we still at that breaking point that it could go either way? And I thought that was a really interesting aspect to it that there are entities who who want to help and assist humanity but for whatever reason sometimes they can sometimes they can't and that's something that you, you hear about as well throughout the the decades in, in ufology and research and, and stories as well yeah a friend of mine when i got out he he said don't tell me anything about it but the one thing i want to know is do they mention why they didn't interfere and it was nice to be able to say to him it's kind of the whole point of the film actually <laughs> um you, you know that they argue over whether they should or shouldn't and certain characters are a bit more willing to because they can see where they can help perhaps where the other ones couldn't but that that steam engine uh bit w was great and it does later extend in the film to something that you just mentioned. And I won't spoil the scene because it was one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. Um, and they, there's a lot of people in our community who will see that and kind of go, ah, yeah. Okay. I, I, I get it. <laughs> I thought there was a nice nod as well to, and I might just be reaching here given the interest I have in, in, in UFOs, but to crop circle patterns that when they're having those transmissions 
between the celestials and and them and their their minds that as they fade between going from the earth to to space you see like crop circle patterns appearing and flashing on the screen as the the space kind of melts away as well which i thought was a nice nod to to that sort of stuff that we'll be talking about recently absolutely and kind of piggybacking off of that it's interesting to think of crop circles as marks of a natural process as opposed to a picture drawn right and and i suppose that's something i've thought about in the past and you wonder why would one of these craft leaving i I could get why it would leave a one shape of a burn within the ground or a field but why one of these big elaborate patterns but then why not again it's putting that human stamp on things isn't it that yeah, well it yeah, would do this well. so it would leave that pattern well it, it makes why me think of cymatics you know where they put the uh starch on, onto a plastic sheet over a speaker and they play different frequencies and it makes yep. shapes you can do it with sand as well on the speaker um and they all make very similar patterns to what we see in crop circles you, you know these fractals and patterns appear in nature uh we just get to see them produced at a, a, at a macro scale Yes. Well, listen, That any final thoughts on the movie, Dan, uh, before we, we wrap this one up? Um, don't listen to Andy. Go see it. It's great. There's a lot in it for uh, for people in the community and especially for us Celts, I would say. Two hours and 40 minutes if you want to stay and watch both end credit scenes as well. It's not as bad as Titanic at that sort of runtime. But it's certainly no end game. I will give you that much. I, I was in my, my teenagers when Titanic came out, and I saw it seven times in the cinema. That seven. is true. <laughs> I think I would have rather been on the boat itself. Um, so, listen, folks, that's all we've got time for for this one. We are going to carry on with recording our listener call in show. Thank you for listening to this breakdown. Lots coming up this month. Get your questions over for John Ramirez, which will be a very interesting interview. I promise you that much. You can email those to UFO, UAPAM at gmail.com. Or if you're on the Patreon or Apple Premium, jump onto the discord server which you can get in touch and get the link for and you can leave those in the listener questions section as well or on patreon you can post those within the john ramirez questions section there'll be a few more interviews i will announce soon for the month as well as listener call in and a few more breakdowns make sure you are subscribed to the youtube channel which like i said is dan's baby he is putting stuff up there more and more so pretty much any mistakes that happen it's dan's fault fair enough dan yeah, entirely my fault. Go.rallyup.com forward slash truth. Tell your friends. <laughs> yes, and make sure you click the link in the description to get involved with the raffle as well, folks. Once again, thank you for supporting. Thank you for listening. Thank you for getting in touch. It is amazing when you do. Send over some emails. Send over some DMs to myself and or Dan. It's always appreciated. And we'll speak to you soon. That is all for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. You can like, retweet and subscribe. That would all be very much appreciated. The shows are being uploaded onto YouTube as we speak more and more. You can sign up at patreon.com forward slash that UFO podcast to access the shows ad free as well. Please get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, that UFO podcast. Of course, on Twitter, it's at UFO, U-A-P-A-M. And again, folks, as always, keep looking up. You never know what you might see. It wasn't a tip.
tic tac, and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer. A little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the Parliament of Fun. The little fucker hovered right outside of my window, and when I shoved out the screen, he made it an issue. I don't think he expected me to see his ass, but I'd had some champagne and smoked a little more. This message is brought to you by Regeneron. If you have diabetes, listen closely because your ears could help your eyes. Excess sugar from diabetes could lead to eye damage and vision loss, even blindness, and you might not even notice it at first. So remember, now is the time to get your eyes checked. Eye care is especially important with diabetes. See a path forward with actions and potential treatment options that may help your eyes and protect against vision loss. Go see an eye care specialist and visit nowic.com to take charge of your eyesight. That is N-O-W-E-Y-E-S-E-E.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. 
Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary.